It's Tuesday, September 5th, and you're listening to a brand new episode of the Julian Dion Comedy Hour podcast. On today's episode, Wakefield Sessions continues with my guest, singer-songwriter Pat Marr, direct, straight up, coming at you from the Gatineau Hills. That That's right. New episodes, Monday to Friday of the next four weeks, and it all starts now. <laughs> Welcome, welcome to the Julian Dion Comedy Hour podcast. That's right. Coming at you from Lemon Press Studios. Lemon Press Studios in the distillery. Or not in the distillery. That's old. <laughs> old habits die hard. Coming at you from the Gatineau Hills. Hi, hi, hi. How are you doing today? You good? I hope. I hope so. Welcome to Wakefield Sessions, episode two. This is Tuesday. It's a little later than I wanted to release these things. I wanted to release them first thing, like at midnight sort of thing. But it's now border teetering on Wednesday. Pat Marr is my guest today. Singer-songwriter, all-around fine gentleman and scholar Pat Marr. Some people from Wakefield will know who he is, and for others who don't, well, you're gonna you're gonna learn to love him. I'm gonna shove a little Pat Marr down your throat. What? Sure. That's what's uh, that's what's happening here. I'm sensitive about consent. I did a college gig this morning in Saint at Saint Lawrence College in Cornwall, and that was they did a whole presentation about consent before. That's that's what we had to follow. PowerPoint presentation on date rape. So unless you don't want Pat Marr shoved down your throat, tune out. Otherwise, it's happening. It's coming for you. <laughs> it's coming for you. Pat Marr is my guest today. Let me get this off uh, off the top. Let's get this out of the way. Email the show pod at jdcomedyhour.com. Follow on Instagram and Twitter at jdcomedyhour. Like the Facebook page, facebook.com slash jdcomedyizzle. It's our, but you know, I was just trying to, JD Comedy Hour. Welcome, Wakefielders. Did you like last, yesterday's episode, Greg Stone? By, by the way, this is a new, new thing for me. I always used to do episodes Tuesdays and Fridays, somewhat inconsistently, but that was my schedule. I would release them Tuesday or Friday or both or as many Tuesdays and Fridays as, as in a row. Is this is there? Until I did anyway. And for those just tuning in today, not realizing what's happening, what I'm talking about, Wakefield session is the sessions is this thing I'm doing. 
It's uh, Wakefield. It's this uh, charming, cute, quaint place in the Gatineau Hills. This partly Anglo community and on the Quebec side, just north of Ottawa. And it's an artistically supportive place. It's a hippy-dippy kind of place. And uh, it's the place that I call home now. So I wanted to introduce Wakefield to the world by interviewing a bunch of local uh, people and uh, people that have stories or anybody, really, musicians, actors, whatever, entrepreneurs, farmers, restaurateurs, quirky, fun people. So I'm coming at you for five days a week for the next four weeks. This is Wakefield Session, so get into it. And uh, it's proving already to be a, a, a bit of a labor, uh, you know, a labor mission, if I may. If I may? Labor mish? Labes mish McGish? Because I've, uh, like I said, just a couple seconds ago, I was at uh, St. Lawrence College in Cornwall. And so then that throws a wrench into things. You know, I have the schedule to upload and edit these little micro, well, they're not micro episodes, they're full episodes. What am I talking about? And then real life happens and you procrastinate things and then, uh, oh man, oh man, next thing you know, it's uh, late on Tuesday, but it's coming at you Tuesday with uh, Pat Marr is my guest. Did I mention that? Pat's a good guy. You're going to love him. He's coming right down your throat. <laughs> what was that? That was weird. Had uh, an interesting uh, day, like I said, uh, was doing a call. I did a gig this morning at 10.15 a.m., which, if you know anything about stand-up comedy, they say the ideal time to do it is on a Tuesday morning. Not actually. But uh, they recommend Tuesday mornings in front of uh, 517-year-olds. Anyway, it was interesting to say the least. It was... um, it was a, a gig. It was a gig. Who cares? Who cares? It was fine. It was fine. Everything's fine. And then uh, came back home and uh, emptying some boxes. I'm such a procrastinator. When it comes to moving and settling in, it's so hard. I'm living in boxes still, and we're we're trying to settle in, Jen and I, and it's just kind of this nonstop process of cleaning and putting things off and doing a little bit and then stopping for three days and then starting again and and then uh, we had dinner tonight, a very deep dinner, deep c- conversations. We started by talking about uh, bullying, and it ended with uh, world overpopulation and that we should probably all die off, and if we shouldn't, we will. And uh, so it's kind of a t- fun fun dinner conversation. just starts off with, well, it's hard to be a child, too. Well, it's just hard to exist because we're... Uh, we're disgusting uh, humans that are um, a virus to this planet, and uh, nothing is worth living anything anymore. And uh, Kim Jong Un is gonna bomb the shit out of everybody, and then we're gonna just all—it's what's happening in the world. What's happening? This is supposed to be a comedy podcast, but fuck it, whatever. Let's talk about life, and um, that's one thing I have talked about before on the podcast. I always kind of hope something happens, something goes down, like some sort, not a super imminent threat, just something like, uh, you know, a looming war or something to justify this move to the woods. Now we live in the woods. You know, I was in Toronto before, I was downtown Toronto, and it was a, I was always thinking that, you know, if, if somewhere was to be bombed, Toronto was right up there on the list. 
And so now I'm in the woods and it kind of justifies it. If there's something that happens, it's kind of it's like, oh, yeah, shit. Because if you move to the woods and there's nothing happening, you kind of seem crazy. But then when there's kind of some weird shit going down in the world, then it's like, you know, people want to uh, think that they should uh, all follow suit. Like, oh, my God. Do you know what I mean? Like, if there's nothing, if the world is perfect and you move to the woods, it's kind of weird. People go, oh, did you hear? He moved to the woods. What's what's happening? He must have had some sort of meltdown. Something's happening. He's going through something. He'll get through it, hopefully. But if there's, you know, a pending World War III and you move to the woods, people go, shit, that guy's fucking smart. He moved to the woods. Let's all go to the woods. Don't. Don't come to the woods because that's all we need is more people in the woods to make it like enough people in the woods to be a place worthy of bombing. Don't. Don't come here. Leave us alone in the woods. <laughs> okay, and enough of all that because, uh, you know, we can stress about what could happen or what has happened uh, all day and all night. But let's uh, let's move on. Let's just be here and now in the present. And what do we got now? We've got, well, Pat Marr. So let's uh, get right to it. I had a good chat with Pat. I've met him over the years and and uh, super talented guy, local guy, and you know him, you love him. If you don't, you're going to know him, you're going to love him. So enjoy now my chat with the one, the only, Pat Marr. You and me belong, just like the flowers, laughing all day long. People I need to lose, sing a little song, then take a shower. Julian Dion, Comedy Hour. Things can change in a moment like a wave so big you can only run with it. 
And that, of course, that you heard just there is my guest today. And oh man, am I ever excited to uh, to talk, chat, interview, whatever you want to call it. This guy, uh, we go back a few years. We've known mm-hmm. each other. Uh, f- you know, we've been in and out of Wakefield for six, seven years, seven, eight years. I don't know. Yeah. Uh, a super talented musician and one of the staples in town. And this is what I'm doing with um, with the Wakefield sessions for people just tuning in on this episode or whatever. It might be repetitive if you've listened to others, but this is the whole premise. Basically, I talk about Wakefield a lot in the podcast. This is where I moved from Toronto, New York City before that. And um, I talk about Wakefield a lot because it's kind of like a magic, special, weird place. And so this is um, our opportunity to showcase Wakefield to the world. So it's this series of interviews. And uh, so we can introduce the characters uh, of, of the, uh, the fibers of the fabric that make up uh, Wakefield. And also for locals, if you're a local Wakefield local listening to this, first of all, hello. Hi, thanks for listening. And um, it'll also, for locals that, that will know my guest today and other guests as part of the Wakefield sessions, this is just like another side. You get to know maybe a little more, a little bit of the backstory, a little of the, uh, the dark shit. We'll get into the dark, dark shit. Pat Marr is my guest today. Patty Marr. No relation to Bill Marr. We were just talking about that. How are you, man? Yeah, I'm doing well. Doing yeah. well. Thanks, Thanks for having me. Of course. Are you kidding me? Thank you. Uh, you're one of the first people I thought of. Uh, first of all, you're freakishly talented. I j- By the way, I, um, you were playing last Monday at the... Is it Fairbairn? Fairbarn? Fairbairn House. Yeah. Fairbairn. I get tricked up on that word for some reason. I yeah. Wanna say, I want to say Fairbarn. I think you need a Scottish accent to say Fairbairn. It. Fair, exactly. That's... <laughs> I think that's the proper pronunciation. Yeah. So there's a, this little outdoor. It's Fairbairn and Hendricks Park, kind of. There's this out. This is this is Wakefield in a nutshell. Uh, every Monday uh, during the summer, there's this outdoor stage, and there's you basically go into a, like a well manicured field, and you sit there with a bunch of locals, and you watch awesome talent. And um, yeah, it's and, great. And I came by last uh, week and saw you. You were performing there. I could oh, you hear did? you. Yeah, I oh, could cool. hear you from here. I should have noticed you amongst the 12 people that were there. <laughs> no, that was good, actually. I, it was I, a good turnout. Yeah. And in fact, it really was. I left before the end because uh, I had to come back. I was doing some shit. And um, I just I just brought a beer with me. That's the thing with Wakefield. Again, it's almost like Vegas in a way that you can just... You should always have a beer in your pocket because you never know when you're going to yeah, use don't, it. Don't give away too many secrets there. <laughs> yeah. You're going to have to start sticking them in red Solo cups or something. <laughs> That's right. So. so I brought a beer down and went and uh, watched you. Because I could hear you from the house, and it was fucking awesome. And uh, I knew it was you, so I walked down and, and sat under a tree and watched you. Well, no, nice. And then I came back here, but the um, the applause at the end was crazy. When when you, because I was sitting on the front deck, and I heard you guys like thank you and wrap it up. Yeah. And it was like a long ovation. Was it? Did it take did it take you by surprise? Yeah. You're like, oh shit. Uh, yeah, a little bit. It was like I did the first half by myself. Mm-hmm. Second half with a band. I'll get into that in a little bit. But uh, yeah, at the end it was uh, 
I'm not prepared for an encore usually. Yeah, you know, yeah. it's like, yeah, wow, really? Okay, yeah, nice, nice. Especially so an outdoor Feeling venue. all warm and fuzzy about it. So I went back and did one on my own because we didn't have one as a, as right. a band to do. But uh, yeah, it was nice. How is it performing yeah. outdoors? Because in comedy, it's a nightmare. It's actually the worst case scenario is to yeah, perform yeah. outside yeah. because it's not so contained. Comedies, there's so many elements that go into like a good show and those low ceiling and indoors and walls are... Yeah, are, yeah. Well, yeah, I mean, I'm sure you know yourself, like each room or each uh, has its own vibe, mm-hmm, you know? Mm-hmm. And uh, this is really, it's 6.30 at night in the summertime, so it's, you know, Daylight people are out. relaxed yeah. and, you know, they're not jumping up and down or whatever, and they're they're just kind of doing the thing. So you cater the set a little bit to the mood that's going on. For you know? sure. Yeah, and there's so, a nice yeah. sunset. There's a lot of kids uh, at those shows. Oh, it's like, amazing. Yeah, yeah. Like running around and stuff. So I go on the Mondays. Like I went fairly regular. I caught about eighty percent of the shows there, and that's I bring my daughter down. And yeah, she it's runs a great, around with her kids from the school, and it's a uh, great vibe. Yeah, as as a performer, when you're on stage and there's kids playing and stuff, do you does that distract you, or does that add to it, or do, do you like dial into the few like to the people that are watching? Because you had a big crowd when you were there. You joked and said twelve, but there was actually because I've been t- also do. Oh yeah, no, no, it was good. It was a really good turnout, and. Uh, Again, I only compare it to comedy because that's what I know. But uh, when in comedy, you kind of like at a venue like that, where it's kind of a little free for all esque, you kind of dial into the people that you can see that are really tuned in. Does is there an element to that when you're performing? Yeah, I mean, it's I love it to tell you the truth. When people are acting and just uh, kicking around and running around, I I don't mind it at all. It's mm-hmm. not distracting. I'm not uh, right. I don't. Uh, you know, if you if you can command attention with your music, then uh, great. You know, but that's that's up to you and the music. You know, if you're not grabbing it, then go with that. You know, and if the kids are running around, you just you know do some sort of light tempo stuff and uh, just embrace it and, and roll with it. Yeah, yeah, for sure. Because yeah. it is at the end of the day a pretty special scenario where you're outside and there's people that came down and they're watching. Mm. It's the summer. We're in the Gatineau Hills on the Gatineau River and it's just like you know yeah, yeah. All, all of those uh, cool things. But like I say, I had come to a few, so I knew a little bit of what to expect as far as the mood goes. So we kind of catered the set to that. Yeah. You know, and I, uh, I mean, you can't do sort of dark brooding stuff expecting people. <laughs> yeah, to, yeah, you know, yeah, 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 yeah. I keep it keep it a little light, but uh, you know people are listening. Yeah. Oh, for the, sure. The, for the sure. parents are sitting there and they're kind of uh, wrapping the show and it's caught a few people up at the top having a little dance and uh, yeah. it's kind of cool. You know? Yeah, it is cool. It was the last mm-hmm. one this past Monday, I think. Yeah. Uh, yeah, sucks. John McAlpine. Yeah. That's right. Well, Johnny Mac. He, he did a great set actually. He was just on his. Were you there? Time. Did you come yeah. Out? yeah. Yeah. It was a good show. It was great. Yeah. He's a great songwriter. Yeah, I've and heard. Uh, he I've delivers. Heard a lot of it. Holy yeah. cow! Yeah, yeah, yeah. Cool. Really good stuff. He's got an album coming out there. Is that right? Well, yeah, I don't know. It's uh, done well, yet, but uh, I'll get him. I'll get him on these uh, Wakefield sessions. I'm plugging it because I play bass on it too. So that's a, oh, dear, yeah, nice. Yeah, yeah, a little session. A few tracks. Yeah. Yeah. Nice. Yeah. Does that inspire you when you see like other people just kicking ass up there? Are you like fuck? Like this is inspiring. Yeah. Well, especially of when they're yeah, friends yeah. and stuff. Yeah, yeah exactly. Well, you want them to do well. Of course. You know? Yeah. I'm in the crowd. It's not about me. Yeah, 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 <laughs> you yeah, know? Yeah. And you're right, supportive. And I, I mean, I'm playing along in my head yeah. while I'm there, too, you know? So it's yeah. a, Where are you from originally? A, Shannon, Quebec. Is that right? Yeah. Is I, was that born, a, I was born in Sherbrooke, Quebec, but uh, as a young baby. We moved to Shannon, which was my dad's hometown. It's a little, little ways northwest of Quebec City. 
Okay. Irish settlement came in the 1820s. Anglo or bilingual or more French than English? When I was there, it was pretty much Anglo. Yeah? Yeah. Yeah. We had the Bacarzi Army base right beside us, so there was a lot of base guys that came and went. And um, um, yeah, but mostly Anglo. It might have changed a little bit, but the population was under 1,000 when I was there. But, uh, I came here in the 80s, sort of post-80 referendum. Right. Ex- exodus out of Quebec, you know what I'm saying? What do you mean came here? Like Wakefield here? Came to Ottawa. Oh, Ottawa. Got yeah. it. Okay, cool. What yeah. were you doing at the time? Wakefield just north of Ottawa. Uh, yeah, no, just uh, after a bit of college and came here in 1920 and got a, you know, did a little few classes here and there trying to get the education going, which was uh, yeah, a bit of an effort, but uh, yeah. Yeah, and then just ended up working. So were you a military brat? Is your dad... uh, No. No? No, dad was civil service, Mm -hmm. but uh, he worked on... Well, just close to the base. Yeah, yeah. the national defense. The D&D. Yeah. Yeah, Yeah. my dad worked at D&D in Moncton for years. I mean, he was Army, then Air Force, and then the D&D in Moncton. That closed down, then he went to work for a pen, like a provincial penitentiary sort of thing mm-hmm. uh, w- did you come up in a mu- musical family like what what where did that come from yeah yeah it came from dad we right? were a big family i was a ninth out of ten kids mm. last of no the, way last of the guilty irish catholics i guess yeah so. yeah by the way cheers and, uh, Let's do this yeah quick. cheers man dude uh, i like to do a quick cheer oh, yeah that's okay, we'll be doing another one <laughs> another <bit. laughs> so musical Sorry. family what did dad play yeah yeah no uh you know, Dad played guitar. He experimented with a bunch of instruments. There was always something kicking around the back of the couch. You know, kind of. Uh, he played old cowboy tunes and uh, Shannon. Being, you know, most of us were of Irish descent, so Irish music was was always around. So you first generation so Irish, like were your parents born uh, in Ireland? Was no, about fifth or so. Oh, that, is that right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like I say, eighteen twenty, the the town was well. That certainly our people came in eighteen twenty. That was about the time that the People moved in. It was, uh, uh, yeah, most of my friends were fifth generation or so. Yeah, know? yeah. That's but, a random uh, spot to settle for, see, for like, a, an Irish settlement. Is it, or is it? Um, there was English and Scottish kind of beside us. Mm-hmm. I don't know what it was like back then, but I have a feeling, you know, when you had these dreams of coming over to Canada, it's like, yeah, go anywhere you want. It's like, no, you're placed. Yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> you're placed where we need you. Yeah, you know? yeah. So there was uh, there was some farming, but it was uh, a lot of logging, mm-hmm. you know, at the time. It was uh, paper mills. So when I grew up, it was, uh, you know, softwood floating down the river. Is that right? Down to Donnacona, yeah. Oh, oh cool. Yeah. They used to do that here, I think. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, same thing, yeah, yeah. yeah. Yeah, it's all. There's a lot, a lot of it still sunk there. So yeah, mm-hmm. you got to watch out for the deadheads. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, and uh, what time, what age did you pick up a guitar or start playing, or was it always? Did you have a lot of your siblings that were into music, or did were you? One yeah, of the, older brothers. You know, yeah. took violin lessons, and uh, there's a couple of sisters singing, uh, playing guitar. As I say, we all kind of picked up stuff. And and was guitar your first your first thing? No, tenor banjo actually. No way. Yeah. So you can, can you still pick, yeah, I'm sure you, uh, that uh, yeah, I yeah. still have it. Is, Is that it, right? Yeah, that the, same the, one? The, the, the old man's banjo. Shit, yeah. No way. Uh, yeah. I was really young when mom got it. We went into the music store and she got him a tenor banjo and then uh, a lot of strumming, you know, kind of strumming. There was a few accordion fiddle players and stuff. Mm-hmm. So dad would strum and, uh, and it had this kind of Dixieland-ish sound, you know, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. but he was uh, playing along with tunes. 
And uh, real small neck. You only needed two fingers to do the, you know, yeah. basic chords. So I just picked that up. Perfect was, for a little uh, hand, yeah. Yeah. And then the guitar was a bit too big. So it was uh, 12, maybe I picked up the guitar. So you had already played the banjo. Uh, sorry, how old were you when you picked up the banjo? Picked up only the banjo? eight. Yeah. I think, yeah. Oh, shit. So, yeah, farting around with music and just kind of doing that. Uh, it was always there. It, was, it wasn't even something I kind of questioned. It was, uh, I guess, in, you know, some families you get a hockey stick and a pair of skates. Right. And, uh, and you do that. There was just always instruments at home, so we all got into music. And other families have a tenor banjo kicking around. Yeah, yeah. Just picked and that up. Uh, I had bad knees and small ankles, and I uh, couldn't, <laughs> you know, couldn't do the sport so much. Well, they say if you can't play hockey, pick up a tenor banjo. banjo. Is that a That's thing? what they say. <laughs> yeah, yeah. yeah, show me who they are. I'm going to get that tattooed in Latin on my ribcage. That's, <laughs> it makes just as much sense as some of the stuff that I've seen. <laughs> yeah. All right, so you pick up the banjo, you start strumming. I mean, obviously, that, that's a huge thing when you come up in a musical family like that where there's just, yeah, that's, that's mm. for you. There's just... Um, instruments kicking around and and then you get the bug without knowing that you've you've got the bug you know you're just it's just part of your life like you mm -hmm. said and uh outside of your family was there a lot of musical influence were your friends playing or were you like the musical guy in your group of friends yeah no not at all there was a few mm -hmm. it was yeah it was uh, i mean we were able to find you know a couple of drummers and Guitar players. Because that's that. the first move. When you're young like that, you think, well, I want to be the Beatles. So you form, oh, a, yeah, form a band. Yeah. yeah, there's something that happens when you're about 12 or something yeah. that uh, kind of you flip over and say, God, is this all the stuff that I've been playing? You know? <laughs> yeah, yeah. And you get into rock and roll. For for us, it was like the Beatles were, they were a bit before my time, I guess, you know, but mm -hmm. I, I heard it. And my older brothers and sisters had the albums and stuff, and it was cool, but it just wasn't, you know, it wasn't my thing. Uh, I loved it and all this kind of thing, but uh, I guess I responded a little more to some of the harder rock. I guess Iron Maiden was first coming. No out. way! Oh Black yeah, Sabbath like real hard. was it? Yeah, oh, yeah, shit. yeah. I don't, I don't know why it was. The, and you know, a few of the few of the lads there had uh, a couple of albums kicking around. So it was, I got a bass guitar as a gift from my older brother. So I was the only guy within a hundred mile radius with a bass guitar. So, mm. so my brother and I played that. He joined the band, and we, you know, we played cover stuff i think it was 13 playing high school dances and you know oh that's awesome and the first time you do it because i remember i was 12 and i used the beatles example because we were obsessed with the beatles and it, they were it was way before our time but it's mm -hmm. what we knew at the time beatles dylan and stuff and we were 12 and we formed a band and do you remember that first time where you all kind of plug in and play and you're like holy shit this is like a thing it sounds it actually sounds yeah i kind of do my brother played the bass um and i got an electric guitar probably from the same brother actually as a gift he was pretty encouraging mm. so old older brother so I, anyway five boys so that one of the older guys uh bought us the instruments and i uh, have a brother barry who's uh right next to me kind of in age he was a bit older so he joined the band first, and he had the, the bass going, and they were a four-piece band, and then they asked me to join them. So I had been already kind of hanging around. Yeah, yeah. And going to the practices and doing, you know, first groupie or whatever, you know. Like yeah. That. And then uh, then I played rhythm guitar, so which was really cool. A little, little different than what I had been doing. I had been sort of growing up with the folk stuff. but uh, And then playing Kiss, Led Zeppelin, and kind of, you know. 
maybe it wasn't as as danceable as some of the stuff that uh, <laughs> yeah. we could have been doing, but it, you know, we we just enjoyed that. But then uh, and then Barry had to take off. He went to school, and then I picked up the bass a little more than. Uh, and then I realized that uh, singing bass player can, uh, you know, get some jobs yeah. and get, get some, uh, you know, get some so jobs that, and get some yeah, tips. yeah, yeah. That's that's kind of yeah. That's sort of how that started. Did you bass play? Players don't get the chicks. The guitar <laughs> players get the chicks. Well, if you throw singing in there, all of a sudden the bass yeah. disappears, and you're just well, there's a bit of that. Yeah. And playing Good. high school dances and stuff. Did you? Did that make a difference in your school life? Um, I remember playing the school. We didn't go there. Well, a few. I didn't go there. Right. Um, and the school that I went to, yeah. I mean, t- to some extent. I mean, it's, it's not as if it uh, upped my popularity, but it right. it ups your notoriety. And, mm-hmm. You know, people know you as the the guy who does that, and then there's the you know whatever the captain football team or something. You know, as everybody has their yeah has their thing. So I was kind of a music guy in our class, you know, and. uh and then it's, it, a few of the others that I might have played with were kind of hanging out on the weekends and doing uh, doing the thing. A, yeah, and you then you get competing bands. Oh yeah, yeah. yeah. Then another band would show up. It's like, oh, okay, who are these guys? Right, like, let's run them out of town. Yeah, well, these other guys suck. <laughs> yeah. Just, you know, we're the band. <laughs> yeah, yeah. What was your band name? Uh, first one. Okay, what happened? The first one was called Childhood's End, and then somebody found out that that was already the name of a band. And then uh, we uh, so cleverly called it Shannon, but with one end in the middle, you know, <laughs> or Shannon. Um, Prowler was the kind of heavy metal type rock band. Yeah, you know, the, that totally sounds I didn't even know if heavy metal was a name back then. It was just hard rock. It was sort right. of uh, Def Leppard's first album, Impressed Us. It was, uh, and then... Uh, yeah, Black Sabbath, Scorpions, mm. that kind of thing. Mm. Really like Sabbath. I really, Black Sabbath. I really, yeah, yeah. So fucking good. Yeah, yeah. Oh, by the way, you can curse something on this else. Thing. I don't know if I said that already, but. All right. Yeah, yeah. No, whore, I figured that. Yeah. Whore cunt. I just like to throw that out there. Um, <laughs> God, we're not bringing up the exes already. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, you say your your older brother bought you a bunch of instruments. What's the age spread there? Use your five brothers and three sisters. Five boys, five girls. Five and five. Yeah, Holy twenty shit. years between all of us. Wow. Yeah, my mother's been half her life pregnant. Yeah. So, yeah. Wow. That's my father's family is exactly like that. Well, not exactly because they're seven and three. But my grandmother was pregnant for like twenty-one years of mm. her life or something. Like she has, a, she had a bunch yeah, of yeah. like miscarriages and stuff back back then. That wasn't uncommon. Yeah. But, same. same. Um, for just twenty, twenty-one years, just always pregnant. I, oh, I, I can't believe, like after six, like how, <laughs> yeah. how novel yeah. is it? It's yeah. like, oh, again? Yeah. You know? And now it's so like, you have one, oh, you should, you should have two. Then you have two. It's like, well, there's no real difference between two and three, but after three, it's weird now. Yeah. It's, but back yeah. then it was just like, you know, the, the old uh, Catholic thing. My grandmother was raised to, uh, and she, I know this because she told this to my aunts. They were three girls and seven boys. And she told them never, ever say no to your husband. And so that was just like the life back then. They would just, wow. yeah. they would just there was no such thing as in the mood or a headache or it's <laughs> like, <laughs> if he comes home from the woods and he wants some, yeah. you better, you better, yeah, yeah. You Before better he takes offer. his boots off. That's right. <laughs> That's right. 
so okay, so there was an age part. So you had like an older supportive brother. I mean that, and he would just. Yeah, yeah. well, they all were actually. I, I found yeah, I was, I, I kind of joke with my sister who's younger than me. We're the number nine and number ten. We had no jobs in the family. Mm. Like everything had been taken up. You know, it's like <laughs> yeah, yeah, you just yeah. oh, it's okay, just show up. Yeah, you know, like, you know, a family event or something. Like, hey, what do you want us to do? Oh, no, no, it's taking care of you. You just show up. You know, <laughs> what do you want me to bring? Bring a bottle of wine. You know. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Like, oh man. Then I. See my older sister bringing the potato salad. It's like, God, you told me to bring a case of beer and a bottle of wine. Next time I'm bringing the potato salad. (laughs) And when there's such a big spread like that, you're almost raised by your older siblings. Yes. I got allowance from my older sister. She'd buy my winter boots. Yeah. yeah, Is that right? Yeah, Yeah, because my... my, This whole team thing. Because I would often tell my dad when we were younger, like, how the hell did your mom do that with 10 kids? She's like, well... She got help from the older ones. Like the older ones raised us in a way almost, you know. It was just like all hands on deck back then, especially. Mm-hmm. And how old are you? Fifty-three. Fifty-three. Oh yeah. shit, no way. Fuck, I would never have guessed. I would have guessed like sixty-three. You look yeah, awful so, yeah. No. <laughs> yeah. Don't look a day over fifty one. <laughs> no shit, you look great, man. No, thanks. Young blonde bombshell like you, fifty three. Blonde. Are nice. You, are you yeah, not, yeah, are nice you not touch. Blonde? Yeah, Is well, it? yeah, yeah. No, it's not really. Oh really? It's kind what? of a silver and red together. Oh, kinda, are you a redhead? Yeah. Are you ginger? Yeah. No yeah. way, shit! Yeah. I never knew that. Yeah, yeah, for oh, sure. Wow. Oh my god, I always well, thought I you were blonde. Yeah, yeah. If people yeah. were to ask me, like, do you know Pat Mara? The first thing I would say is, oh, a blonde bombshell plays guitar. Yeah, yeah, totally know that guy. <laughs> no, the gray-haired <laughs> geek. <laughs> it depends who you ask. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, did you ever get strawberry blonde as a color? Or are we totally. red? Yeah, no. There's a bit. Of, there's a bit of a difference between ginger and redhead. Totally. It's kinda, you know, gingers got their own thing. So, and you're yeah. not full ginger, are you? No. Yeah, because no, I'd, I'd like say redhead. The yeah. complexion. You don't have that red, red, like white and freckly complexion where you will die if you mm. go in the sun for seven. All minutes. my freckles laughed a long time when I was younger. That's a song. I think yeah. you should write that. Hey, there you all go. my freckles left me a long time ago. I got nothing. <laughs> I don't even have my freckles. <laughs> got a, Quit picking on the girls. They start picking on the freckles now. Parts of her body. And then a mole showed up after all the freckles. Yeah. So. The name of the song is Melanoma. That's <laughs> yeah. I, uh, no, I never got red before until I grew up the beard. Because my beard is really fucking red. Especially in the sun. Yeah, that's like a red beard. Orangey yeah. red. And yeah. I, I, grew up, I grew it out years ago. And uh, ever since then, people have been calling me Ginge. Like, we moved down this street. And there's a lot of redhead, redheads, and all of our neighbors, we met them, and like, yeah, another couple of redheads moving in. I'm like, no. But you don't want to get into it every time. Like, actually, it's more of a strawberry thing, you know. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. That's just weird. Yeah. No, you just let them go. Yeah. Yeah. And I then just, when people say blonde, they go, yeah, okay, I'm blonde. Yeah. <laughs> you kind of have like a frosted tips thing going on, like streaks or something. I know. It looks calculated. Mm. And it isn't, which is, makes it even better. I've been asked that too, yeah. And then oh, is that right? Uh, yeah. So different girls I know who cut my hair. It's like, you know people pay for this stuff? Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's like, well, it's God-given. I can't take any credit for it. So, oh, so. There you go. Because your eyebrows are... Uh, this is, by the way, really good radio. Wait, yeah, exactly. Yeah, here's, physical here's the visual. Because yeah, yeah. <laughs> they look really blonde. They're kind of white. <laughs> are yeah, they yeah. white? Summertime, they're lighter than my skin. <laughs> yeah. It's, a, it's cursed. Uh, a lot of redheads in your family? Yeah. Uh, mostly, yeah. Is there? Oh, yeah, yeah Irish. Kind of You're brown, full, full Brown Irish. or red, yeah. Like a yeah. big family, Irish Catholic, I'm guessing. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, what else? Ten kids. Yeah, yeah, yeah. for sure. Mm-hmm. All right, mm-hmm. so you grow up, 
musically, then you're in high school bands, and then uh, where, do, where do you go from there? How long were you in Shannon? 19 years. So yeah. Graduated, went to St. Lawrence for a little bit. Mm-hmm. And not St. Lawrence. Not a heavy college. Oh, the St. Lawrence College. In Cornwall? Part, part of the Champlain in St. Foy, Quebec. Oh, because there's one in Cornwall. St. Yeah? St. Yeah. Lawrence College, I think. I'm, I'm doing a gig there on September There could 5th. be. Is that right? Yeah. yeah. <laughs> St. Lawrence yeah. College. Happen in town. Yeah. Mm. Mm-hmm. You should do all right there. There's a lot of comedians there. Yeah. Yeah. It's a big uh, Yeah, no, it just kind of, you know, came of age. Got to leave home. I had three sisters living in Ottawa. Everyone had left. Uh, this was 83. So we had had the, the 80 referendum. I think all Quebecers probably remember all this stuff. But uh, things were kind of looked pretty bleak. You know, the, the place to go was Montreal before this. When businesses started to move out of Montreal and the political situation was kind of meh. It wasn't looking very, uh, wasn't looking very good for a while. For a certain group of people, I guess. Yeah, you know, yeah. uh, Ottawa then became the place to go. And what were your aspirations or plans in Ottawa? Was was music on your mind, or were you thinking I'm gonna real life and certainly music? You know, as I never had any kind of visions of I'm gonna come over and take over this town mm-hmm. and we're gonna do this. Yeah, but uh, you know, you get into a band, play some weekend stuff and, and the bars and whatever. There's that was uh, certainly on my mind. And how do you do that pre-internet? Like, how do you find people in a new city? You know, you you come from a small town. Now all of a sudden you're in the nation's capital. You've got your guitar on your back. And uh, yeah. how do you how do you? Well, social networking back then was actually going out and meeting people face to face. Oh, so it was actually social. <laughs> yeah, it's actually yeah. really social. Like, uh, and that's uh, kind of the way you did it. You know, and it's like the phone was stuck to the wall or yeah. something you know and you were attached by a wire so it wasn't uh certainly wasn't like it is today i miss those before days before i can yeah today sucks sometimes all this shit. Yeah, yeah it's too much people expect you to just be available all the time and it's just yeah, too, yeah. it's exhausting when you're going from one place to another nobody really knew what you were doing right, right. you know because you were in the car you had no way to tell people anything <laughs> right, right. your car broke down screwed yeah that was it you know you're, you're just you're gone just into done. the void yeah, until, yeah, exactly. until yeah. they heard back from until you. it came back yeah. uh, <laughs> you had to call i remember the, like the technology was being able to call your answering machine from another phone right like oh you kidding me it's like <laughs> i can do that anyway and there was something about getting Ooh, home the and olden checking. days yeah. way back when <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> but there was yeah. something about checking messages when you got home you would kind of like pick up the pace and get home and then check your messages. Yeah, yeah. You hit the recorder, Fuck. walked around, did what you had to do while you were listening to your messages. Yeah. And was like, oh, God, I'm not getting back to that guy. There's, like a, yeah. I can leave that one for another day. Totally. You know? And But they didn't think that you were dead if you didn't. If you did leave it to a, a day, they didn't. Nowadays, if someone texts or calls you and you leave it to a day, they're, they're either going to think something's wrong or going to be horrifically offended. Yeah, by yeah. the fact that because now your phones rat you out too if you open a message. I remember. Or something, I remember the time when we learned the new etiquette that if you didn't respond to a text within a certain amount of time, you were being rude. Mm. Like what? You know. Come on, you're screwing with me now. It's like you know, it's like I got enough reasons to be rude. I don't need this one added to my. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, the involuntary but, uh, rudeness where you just yeah, you know, yeah. yeah. You, because people don't realize it takes. 
a lot less time to read a text than to respond. So sometimes you can just see something and it doesn't mean that, you know, it, does, it doesn't mean anything if you don't reply right away at all. Mm-hmm. But people now, it's just this immediacy kind of like, fuck. Yeah. It's too much. What I'm well, saying yeah. is I'm going to try to get into a position of power and eliminate all cell phones and internet and just go to... Uh, I'd vote for you. Networking, networking. Yeah, I'd vote for you. So no, at the, at the very beginning, it was... Uh, Honestly, it was just you had, to, you had to meet people. You got phone numbers. Before I came, I had a like at gigs and stuff. Guy, yeah, like it's just you know, I knew a couple of guys who had lived in Ottawa. Who should I get in touch with? What are you doing? Right. You know, what's what's the scene there like? So I got a couple of names, and then when I arrived, I just I just go to the pubs and and uh, a couple of the clubs and kind of check out what. And you had a guy what that things what? are going. He gave me a few numbers of okay. people, and then uh, so I call him up and go, hey, okay, what's uh, What's happening here? I'm just arriving in town and doing, well, I'm going, you know, I'm playing whatever at the time. Molly Maguire's was an Irish pub that was kind mm-hmm. of going concern at the time. Playing down there, come on, see the band. So we got, you know, and then you meet him and he could use a bass player or he could use a singer, da, 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 you know, talk to him and talk to them. So it's like slowly but surely. And then, and then coincidentally, I answered an ad in the paper as you know, musicians wanted mm. section in the paper, and uh, it ended up being one of the guys on this list of other guys that oh, shit. that had given me. So I was like, yeah, okay, all right. That's kind of uh, meant to be, like I a guess, small you know, world within within the music community. Yeah, as it turns out, it was a smaller city than I thought it was. Yeah, Coming in Ottawa was like a big city, but you know, it was less. Than yeah, Ottawa's kind of like a big small town. Where, it's, where you can be out on the streets, on the main drag, like Elgin Street or in the market, and just run into people you know, which is insane. Mm-hmm. If you think of, like, most nations' capitals, if you go, if you run into somebody you know, you're like, okay, what the fuck's that? Are we all going to die? Like, yeah, how, yeah, what are yeah, the yeah. odds of this you, happening? You can't hide, yeah. really. Yeah. <laughs> not, not, not why. It was pretty small. So that was it. And then just started playing pubs and bars. And You uh, said Irish yeah. pub. Uh, was that was there an element of gravitating towards other Irish people or Irish pubs, or was that just a coincidence? Well, birds of a feather, you know. Right. You go, uh, you go into a town, you kind of just hang out with your own, totally sort of thing, or you gravitate towards that at least, right? And then that's your jumping off. Point, Whether it's you know? conscious or unconscious, it yeah. just kind of happens. Yeah, yeah. And where, so, where, which? If you walk into a crowd, you know, you, you're gonna pick out people, and then you talk to somebody else who was in the same crowd, and they yeah. picked out something totally different, right? You know? So it was sort of that with me. It was, I, you know, I played outside Quebec City in a country band six months doing this, you know, this bar there. So I, you know, got in the old style. I don't know. This was sort of pre-Billy Ray Cyrus kind of country, you know, at least <laughs> sort of the old style country. So I thought that'd be fun. And then I knew some of the Irish music. So it was, I wasn't actually seeking out an Irish band. They just needed a bass player. And I knew they had work. And it was, yeah, okay. Heard half of this stuff before and I learned the other half. And uh, yeah. So I did that for a little while. It was, uh, it was good. Which, which hood did you hang out in Ottawa or live for? Where was I living there? South end of Ottawa, kind of Heron like, Gate or so. Yep, yep, yeah, yeah, yeah. Heron and Bank. And all yeah. So there was a few places. Uh, Duke of Somerset was sort of starting up before it you know, hit, hit really big with the Lockmaster upstairs. But mm. uh, uh, that was happening. Molly Maguire's was still a building. Before they moved, um, were you writing shit at that point? Were you creating original nah. content or just no? No, we were just you know flogging out this the shite. You know, were you still doing heavy metal shit? Sing along like, to this. Yeah, yeah. 
At that point, no. I was actually getting into the Irish music. And as far as, like, what I played and what I listened to was different. And I listened to, uh, it was, it was a, a, I call them a revolution. It was a Planksty. Uh, Chieftains are pretty obvious, but they had some, you know, I saw the Chieftains when I was 13 years old or something. I was kind of blown away. That's all instrumental. and The tunes are really old. Uh, it's a pretty deep world. You get into Celtic music there, and you just, you know, that's a rabbit hole. Is that right? Oh, yeah. But it's amazing. It really is. And I think there's something uh, rooted inside of us. You know, I, you know, I think when you, I don't know, I said put, pulling a, culture out of the air if you go to a, a, an italian wedding or something and there's the italian dance band and all these italians are you know getting into the music because it's it's part of them it's part of their culture and yeah everybody listens to the radio everyone knows who the hot band is but when they play music that's kind of rooted in what you're about you you're going to respond with, with a different part of your body 100 percent, and it also yeah. a lot of those kind of subcategories of music are still the raw form of of that music like now if you hear celtic song it's still it's not that different probably than the the stuff that came out when celtic music was sort of a, becoming a thing oh, yeah. Where, whereas like you mentioned the billy ray cyrus thing where it becomes you know a more diluted thing because it's such a popular genre country for example but the raw form of country there's nothing fucking like it you know no no and, and there's a pretty subtle difference you know between well, I call it, like, there's a certain amount of country now because it's popular. I call it product. Right. And totally. I, I refer to it as candy in a different wrapper because mm-hmm. you're in a different form. People eat the stuff up, and then just like sugar, they burn it off, and they're on to the next one, and they're on to the next one. And if you brought up a song that was six months old, they go, oh, yeah, that's old school. That's right. Like, what are you talking about? Yeah. You know? No, no, no. You know, Hank Williams is old school. Hank you know, Williams. That's, you I know, was so, just going to say Hank Williams. So, yeah, yeah. If... If you know, if you if you look at the sort of scope of time, any music of substance is going to last, and it's going to be just as good now, or you know, as it was twenty years ago, as it was thirty years ago. If it's a, for sure, a good song's a good song, and I I don't know who said it. There's only two kinds of music: good music and bad music. That's right. So. Yeah. Well, well, I, and this is just my own philosophy thing, but I attribute that to the raw form of certain types of music, like Hank Williams' raw country totally you know mm-hmm. you listen yeah. to keith urban now and hank williams it's, it's completely different there's you know categorized as the same genre but it's completely different you know feeling and sound yeah and, well it does have that sort of three chords in a minor right kind of you know variations on that and uh but uh there's another guy too maybe I mean, it might be considered old now but uh i think it was his name there long blonde hair yeah and it's not going to come to me. But uh, now and again, these guys pop up, and you go, he's got something a little extra. You know? Oh, yeah, for sure. I know, he, I know he's lumped in with a with a bunch of other guys with the hats and the yeah. brand, spanking new jeans and this kind of thing. No, you know? totally. I don't want to and discount you go, yeah, yeah. that because a lot of people say there's, you know, they haven't made good new music uh, since whatever. But I disagree with that because you just have to find it, but it's out there. That's there's, right. There's, That's right. You got to sift through a lot of a lot you of know, shit, but yeah. you can find those. There's unbelievable music being created by new mm. emerging artists all the time. You just, it's not, you won't hear it on the radio necessarily. You just have to find it. But yeah, for sure. I don't want to be one of those guys that's like, oh, the, 
you know, new music sucks. It's like, actually, there's some, there's some people doing some pretty well, rad things. it's because they're distracted by that. Right. You know, the stuff coming at you. Yeah. You know, if you're, if you're into the, the uh, you know, commercial end of things, if you're listening to commercial radio, then forget it. You yeah. Know, you're you're going to find the fluff at the top. You know, For sure. And, uh, and I get it. They're selling products and they're, mm-hmm. you know, they got to sell their new brand of soap whatever you know and they, and and a song becomes a jingle for them oh you know, for sure it's, it's, you know, and and there's this whole like negative connotation with selling out but honestly i can't say that i wouldn't sell out if i had the opportunity like if someone was like you want nine million dollars to do this <laughs> yeah. thing it'd be like fucking right give it to me what what do i gotta do <laughs> yeah you know it's hard to people people are quick to rag on people for whatever but Put yourself in that situation. I don't think I could turn down nine million dollars. You know what I mean? I, for my I know what you mean. Yeah, yeah. It's gonna, like at the end of the day. I was just about to say I don't even know if I can spell integrity. Um, <laughs> yeah, I kind of two minds of that. I mean, one of the my minds is I don't think I'll ever be put in that position where mm. somebody's going to be paying me nine million dollars right. to seek me out. But at the same time, if you got the talent and you are the songwriter, I think I think the uh, I think there are some who throw a few out there to be able to subsidize the others. 100% bang on, yeah. And some, oftentimes, there's, I mean, there's many examples of somebody's pop song, say Cheryl Crow or something, I guess it is. Her pop song is probably, if not her worst, it's the yeah. one that she could throw away. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, it's not her deepest stuff. You know? But it gets people into it and then they find Exactly. They it's into it's it. an introduction. It's a hook, you know. And if you if you give somebody a hook and you reel them in and you got nothing to back it up, if your pop song's the best thing you've ever done, then yeah, okay, you'll you'll do all right, but you might yeah. not create a huge fan base or whatever. And if you if, if you got the talent and you are the you know a really good songwriter, then it's gonna you know it's gonna sustain itself. And if you want to throw a couple out there, because you know, everyone's got a mortgage and they got their totally you know, right say, yeah groceries. That's, that's a good point. I keep saying putting shoes on baby's feet. That's good. Yeah, that's a good way of putting it. Also, and but there's also this other side of it where I remember a couple of years ago there was this whole outrage because and I don't I think it might have been a car commercial or something. There was a Stone song used. People were like they sold out. First of all, they're past the selling out point. Oh God! And what, ages ago. Yeah, and what what happens now is that somebody that is a I don't I don't remember if it was the Stones or not, but somebody that is a, a Stones fan is now in the position to create commercials, and they go, "Oh, I fucking love the Stones. I'm gonna put them. I'm gonna use one of those their tracks." It's not like they necessarily choose their song or that particular band to sell things. They just happen to be this person in a position of power that makes these decisions that ends up. Turns out being a Stones fan, you know, because mm-hmm. and so that there's that too element of it where sometimes it's not just about creating a commercial thing to sell things. It could be just that the person is a fan of this particular band and yeah, is yeah. like, well, I make commercials for a living, so I wonder if my favorite band will agree to. Yeah, and they like the they like the mood it sets. Totally. You know, when, when you hear a, when you hear a riff or something, I mean, I can't I can't hear a Van Halen riff without my heart. Right, just going a little bit quicker and you kind of get a little more energy. So if you want that in there, uh, Feist was another one. I think she did the Apple thing. Was it yeah. Feist doing the Apple commercial. And so, good for her. You know, yeah, yeah, she's yeah. still an artist. She's still, still doing her thing, but pumping out albums and, you know, doing a lot of work and good work. Yeah. You know, oh, her, yeah. Her, her, her stuff is not like the, the stuff I think that she would find as substance is not commercial, but she had this one that 
came out. I don't even think she knew. I, I'm, I'm assuming. I never met the lady. But uh, that somebody heard it and said, I want that sound to create a mood. You know? Now, you got to get permission. Of course. You know, they ask permission. They're good. And if you're going to be, you know, like, like you say with your integrity, you won't sell it. That's fine. Mm. Move on to somebody else who will. And, uh, I think it, it's they like... Do their business. I don't know. It's like what you said. I mean, you might have a couple throwaways there that, that pay pay the bills. And at the end of the day, if you're undeniable, there's nothing. No matter who decides to play your song, where if people look you up, like 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 Feist, like she's undeniable. You know, she's mm. just she's who she is, and she's an artist, and you can't take that away from her. No matter yeah. how many commercials she does, or how many commercials her songs are used in, you know, it's just kind of that. Yeah. yeah. Oh, I don't. I don't judge her on her. Uh... You know, I can't say, oh, she sold out, and now I'm not going to like her. Right. I like her, you know? It's well, the, like you say that. Like that you say that, but there are people that go, oh, I was a fan of Feist, and then I, I heard her in a commercial, and fuck, fuck it. It's like, well, whatever. What I'm getting at is I have $9 million here for you, Pat. Would you take it? Yes. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, right. I was waiting for something yeah. like this. Yeah. Yeah. This is the whole podcast. Yeah. It's an extremely oh, high budget. I'm going to have oh. to consider that. Yeah. <laughs> We run Talk a really high-budget outfit here. Uh, yeah. It's going to cost... Depends what, uh, depends what you're marketing. Right. You know, yeah, that's they, true, they, too. They, they would depend on who it's for. That's true, too. Know? What if it was for um, fleshlights? Because, well, I don't think my mother would listen to that one, so... <laughs> yeah, I might consider that. <laughs> <laughs> I should think of that. That's brilliant. That's funny. Um, okay, so Anyways. back to you quickly. Yeah. You're in Ottawa. Ottawa? You're in Ottawa doing the rounds, doing the thing, playing some tunes. And because this is Wakefield Sessions, how do you how do you discover Wakefield? Do you come up here on a day trip randomly? Do you hear someone talk about it? Do you book a gig at the Black Sheet? How do you discover Wakefield? I was playing in a band with a guy who played drums, who uh, grew up in Chelsea and knew the Wakefield crowd. It's kind of, um, uh, as you're finding out, there there is kind of a Quebec Anglo community up here. Mm-hmm. And they um, they kind of kick around together. So uh, Chris Honiger was the drummer. He knew a few people up here. And uh, we started to come to the Cafe 1870, which is now a going concern. At the time, it was just starting out. This, mm-hmm. uh, Ron Rajambal had the start of this thing. And this is like 10, 12 years ago or something like that? Uh, about 15, 16 Maybe 16, 17 years ago. I'm just kind of trying to think back. I've been here 15 years. Okay. And uh, we're coming up on 15 years. And uh, uh, Ron, uh, Louis Rompre was a friend of Ron's. Is probably his name has been bandied around. Louis was kind of a local legend here. We, we, we already, already on the podcast have talked about. Uh, yeah. Louis, yeah. Yeah, no doubt. No doubt. He was a real, uh, he was a real force in this community. We're pretty sad to. And that's an understatement. He, a force. He was like, I was talking to Greg about this. Like, if you were to describe Wakefield to an artist and they were to sketch out a person, it would be they would draw up Louis. Like yeah. he was Wakefield embodied, like a candle maker, unbelievable musician. Could talk about anything for any amount length of time. Like yeah, he yeah. just kind of knew about everything. And the, the local councillor knew everybody. I mean, he was a, you know. I mean, first of all, he's just a nice guy. He was a friendly so guy. Nice. He was just so you know just warm immediately warm to you mm-hmm. and uh so i i was at his uh you know at, when when louis passed on we just we were 
forced to think about him as who he was and and really he was kind of like the hub and we were the sort of at the ends of the spokes of like the, the wheel, satellites you know? yeah. yeah yeah he was kind of the connection between a lot of people and his introducing a bunch of bunch of folks and uh he and chris got along really well and uh i was playing with chris in another band uh dave campbell all his original music that we were called the cynics and uh so Louis asked us up and said, would you mind coming up and sort of sitting in on anybody who wants to sing? You could be the sort of backup band and uh, do some songs of your own. So we'd come up uh, kind of as a unit and we'd, you know, play a few songs. And then when people got up, we'd play along with them. Was this the Wednesday night? And uh, Yeah. Oh, yeah, yeah. Yeah, that's when it started. It was, it was, I mean, the first one I was at, Ron didn't even have his license yet. Was right. His liquor license, yeah, well, there was beers in the counter, but uh, yeah, yeah. Didn't they? <laughs> so, but uh, yeah, I mean, I've told this story before, but I saw a guy there with a glass of Guinness, and I did. What can I get you? I said, uh, I'll, have, "I'll have a Guinness." And Ron kind of puts his hand. Uh, okay, wait a sec. <laughs> like, huh? All right. <laughs> and then he comes back, <laughs> and uh, he gives me the Guinness. I, I said, "Was there an issue with the Guinness?" <laughs> and he goes, "No." But they're his. And he points to the guy who was sitting there. <laughs> and people had brought it in and put it in Ron's fridge. And then Ron said, I could serve it back. This is like a house party. B-I-O-B yeah, kind of. it really was like yeah. that. Yeah, exactly. Is, <clears throat> excuse me. I don't think he, um, I don't think he had his, uh, well, I certainly didn't have his liquor lights. I don't, I don't know if he was officially a cafe yet or something. But, uh, but they were a whole, kind of holding these little parties and stuff. And we'd, we'd go in there. And it was like entering a little void. Once you were there, you weren't part of the real world anymore. You were part of this inside little world. And, and we just music all night. And uh, it was really, really just a magical setting. And uh, Dave and I would then drive back together into the city. And, and we'd go, oh, yeah, that was a pretty good night, eh? Yeah, yeah that, was, that was a weird night, eh? Yeah, yeah that was really good. <laughs> so, <laughs> yeah. And it, it like invariably would happen every week. It's like, wow, you know, that was a weird night, you know, but a really good night. Uh, Just, you'd, you'd be entering a different world, you know. And, and then I realized the number of musicians and artists up here, and this, the visual artists, and painters, crazy. and sculptors, and this, God, you can't throw a dead cat around here without hitting somebody <laughs> you can't sing or play or paint or, you know. Like, just, just this, you know, read some story about the tectonic, plates creative vibe and this has a you know natural attraction for these uh, creative types and uh it kind of doesn't surprise me so then uh as i said before birds of a feather mm. you get people moving in and it's like even since i've been here i'm a newcomer i've been here 15 years it's, you know unless i was here for two generations then i'm not really from here you know? right and uh the uh the number of people that have come in have uh increased well like you, you, yourself you mm-hmm. know it's like I'm drawing a timeline from 15 years ago, of course. You know, I, when I arrived, I figured everything's going to shut down. It's just going to remain the same way it was. <laughs> right, right, right. But uh, let's, are you a yoga instructor? I'm, I have to be now, I, I think. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Well, I think you have to be. Yeah. <laughs> I'm taking my, yeah. my certification now because I have to. Yeah, yeah. yeah. No, it's great. You're welcome here, though. So you, you and Jen coming here, that's, that's pretty cool. Yeah, yeah. It's, it's just been, uh, I, I, it's like you said, the tectonic, whatever the hell it is. I mean, because we've been visiting for seven, eight years now since Maureen moved here and, you know, in and out of town. And we always wanted to, we knew we'll eventually have our own 
our own place here and uh here we are and yeah. uh yeah. could not be happier honestly it's uh yeah it's a pretty special oh, place. that's good yeah yeah well you had done a few shows even before you came up here yeah so yeah we'd done, done uh and- yeah at least a half dozen shows at the ebu one one at the black sheep you guys were on that one that's right yeah and um yeah there's just something something about uh about this place i don't mm. know what it is well, there's something to. I mean, it's not that people even. Uh, it's not that everybody plays, in such, but there also is an appreciative audience. There's, there are listeners. Mm-hmm. When you, uh, I've said this before to other people too. And when we talk about open stage at the cafe, I've been to open stages in Ottawa just to, you know, whatever on a Tuesday night, not do a much. Hey, there's an open stage here, so you pop in for a beer, and you look around, and everybody in the crowd has signed up and is uh, waiting to get on to play. And it occurred to me, I was the only one, or whoever I was with, or the like, two of us would be there, and we're the only ones who aren't, who aren't, uh, like, we're part of the crowd, let's say. We're the only yeah. crowd there, yeah. you know? So, yeah. so I was like, well, okay, it's, it's, it's cool. It's, there's a few people here, but uh, they didn't have a listening crowd. When you go to the cafe, there's, uh, you know, 10 something, you know, there's the 10, 12, 15 people who play. But there's another 45, 50 who are listening. Right. Who yeah. want to hear and who want to see what's coming up. But who are supporting their friends who are doing it for the first time in so many years. And they, there, there's, a, there's an appreciative crowd. There's a, they would have a, a, a vernissage for, a, for a, a painter or something. And people show up. You know, there's the Monday night music at the Fairburn. People show up. And support each other. So, it's, not only is it a bunch of creative people, but there's also a bunch of supportive people behind it. Totally. And it keeps you going. You, you know, you learn your chops, and maybe you're going to take the stuff on the road. Maybe you're not, or you're going to go into the city. But uh, around here, you can have just a night of the locals here. Was, yeah. And they love it. It's, and you, you know, love it back. You yeah, know, yeah, in, for in sure. Way, yeah. Yeah, and because and you're talking about those magic moments at the cafe on Wednesday nights, that's still a thing. I mean, it's still, you go there and there's a, always something, you leave, you go, shit, that was insane when that, that yeah, thing yeah. happened. Like, yeah, fill, yeah. In, fill in the blank. You can't explain it. And the story later, you know, and then people, oh, oh things great happen at the cafe. Well, yes, they do, but they don't do it on command. That's you know, right. They sort of happen spontaneously and you go, holy crap like what the heck just happened there yeah and nobody knows it even the performer walks off and goes whoa man. Yeah. and it's it's a it's a shared thing it's not as if somebody's coming off going yeah i killed but right you know it's like man you know the response back and either people are singing or or somebody comes up with some obscure song and five people start to dance and the whole place erupts and yeah. you know yeah. who could have predicted that you know it's, like, yeah. it's crazy well speaking of which would you like to uh, play so? Would you like to play a little, uh, little thing? Yeah. All right. Let's do it. Yeah. so far away You could be laying by my side And I might as well be 
thousand miles away And you think you're good for me I know I could have told you so This wouldn't last forever And you will never know The pain I feel And who would have ever seen Who could have known but me And I keep it inside And I feel so far away You seem to listen but I find That nature has a way of telling you The things you need to know If you think you're listening I know I could have told you so This wouldn't last forever And you will never know Pain I feel, woe, and who would have ever seen? Who could have known but me? And I keep it inside and hang on to your vision. And I'll hold on to every word and I'll be strong. Your inspiration, cause nothing's wrong. Your dream I know I should have told you so wouldn't last forever And you will never know The pain I feel, woe And who would have ever seen Who could have known but me And I keep it inside And hang on To your vision And I'll hold on To every word And I'll be strong your inspiration nothing's wrong in your dreams and I feel so far away well, I feel so far away That was awesome. <laughs> well, what's the name of that track? In Your Dreams. Oh, I would have guessed it feels a... so far away. Yeah, in brackets. <laughs> I feel so far away. Dire Straits had, had that one locked up. Oh, though, yeah, so yeah, right, So right. far away from me. So, uh, yeah. There you go. Uh, that was awesome. Do you want to do another? Or what, how are you feeling? No pressure? It's up to you. Uh, yeah. I can try another. kind of a modern day country song about a farmer who uh, wants to find a wife and um, so where do they go to find a wife he went on the internet and uh, <laughs> that's what I say a modern day 
love song. I'd never actually seen what uh, Plenty of Fish, the interface or whatever, looks like, but uh, I put that in the song just for the hell of it. Right? don't know how it feels The dirt under my feet is all that is real And Lord knows I'm gonna get old But if I don't sell crop this farm will get sold She don't know where the money comes from if she spends any more, we'll be done well, It's a cold, cold winter With no fuel to burn, no food on the shelf It's a cold, cold winter and In the spring, if I'm lucky I'll be by myself She came from the city last year In her fur coat and makeup She tried to live here Lord knows she can't cook a meal And she found out you can't plow a field in high heels well, She's lost the smile from her face She don't belong in this place well, It's a cold, cold It's a cold, cold winter and In the spring, if I'm lucky Well, I'll be by myself message said please save my life all I want to be is a good farmer's wife now plenty of fish sometimes lie but a fish out of water surely will die but looking at me from the screen Warmest eyes I've ever seen well, It's a cold, cold winter With no place to go Except the local cafe well, It's a cold, cold winter and In the spring if I'm lucky She'll saddle that horse 
and she'll just ride away. Well, she'll just ride away. And I'll be by myself. Beautiful. Yeah, that's great. That's called Cold Cold Winter. That's called that's Cold Cold Winter. Yeah. That one wasn't taken. No. Yeah, I don't think so. That's what do, what's the guitar? Research. It, what is it? It's it's an Alvarez. It's a you know dreadnought style acoustic. Um, you know what's fucked up, up is the previous owner of this house. His last name was Alvarez. Really? Eh? Yeah. Yeah. That's weird. Is it weird? Wow. It's kind of coincidental. Yeah. But there are no coincidences. If you listen to some of the people. Did your guitar own this house before? <laughs> it could have been. Could have been. That's why you moved. You made it big at a guitar guitar maker. I don't know. Pat Marr, uh, thank you. This has been fantastic, truly. You're a fine gentleman and scholar. Thank you very much. What a pleasure to be here. Do you want to? Do you have anything to say? Anything to add? Anything to plug? Any upcoming shows? Websites? Twitter handles? Instagram? Anything? Uh, at all? Yeah, I'm playing a band called Tractor. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's uh, the music of uh, Paul Hampsey, who's another local guy around here, and uh, guitar player Greg Stone, who I believe was here That's as right. well. Yesterday's interview. And um, Alden Roberge is a, a great drummer. So we're a four-piece band. We're playing it in Renfrew. At a place called the Northern Ramble, uh, Dean Batstone's place. It's an old church. Mm-hmm. Haven't been out there yet, no but uh, looking forward to it. Yeah, that's cool. uh, on the eighth of September, Friday night. Check that out, Renfrewites, yeah. Ottawa Valley peeps. Anybody listening to this? Otherwise, uh, thank you so much. It was fucking awesome. What a pleasure. Thanks, and, Julian. Uh, and watch your head. Such a beautiful waste of time. A waste of time A beautiful waste of time And there it is, another one in the books. That was a good one. Thanks to my guest, Pat Marr. Good sir, thank you so much. Thanks to you for listening always. And remember to email the show pod at jdcomedyhour.com Follow on Instagram and Twitter at jdcomedyhour. Like the Facebook page, facebook.com slash jdcomedyhour. Wakefield Sessions coming back. At you every day, Monday to Friday, for the next four weeks. That means tomorrow, yes, another episode tomorrow and every day. Do you feel that? Do you feel the daunt in my voice a little bit? All right, World and Wakefield, thanks for listening. Always, I appreciate it. Subscribe, rate, and share, and all that good shit. And uh, as always, watch your head. I'm just a thin, nervous shadow walking backwards down a street. The landing's bitter, but the fallen is over.